<laughs> yeah, or you get that moment of inspiration and you open the recorder on your phone and like you're like, this is brilliant. Yeah. And you pitch it to yourself just to listen back and cringe and be like, yeah. oh, oh, delete, no. delete, delete, delete now, delete. Hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the Heartlands Entertainment Industries. I'm Brian, and I'm joined today by guest co-host Neil Newby. And you guys, today is the season three finale. We freaking made it. This has been such an incredible year. I just want to thank everybody who's been on this show and to all of you listeners for listening to this show. You guys are what keep the lights on. And if you would like to be a part of the adventure yourself, you should go to patreon.com slash show and become a patron today. But I'm going to waste no time. We're going to get right to today's conversation Today we're talking to Mr. Ryan Connolly, who if you do not know who he is, you should go over to triunefilms.com or check out his YouTube channel, Film Riot. Now, Film Riot is a YouTube channel that deals with instructional videos, but it's just super fun, Um, but it's all about filmmaking. And whenever I was in film school, I watched Film Riot and I basically, I felt like I was learning more from this YouTube channel and from Ryan Connolly than I was from actual film school. So to get the opportunity to sit down and actually talk to a guy that was a massive influence on myself and on Neil uh, was a really, really cool thing. And we're, we're just ecstatic that he, was, that he was willing to even come and talk to us. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, Brian, this is the Oki Show Show. This has to do with the Midwest's film and music industries. What does Film Riot have to do with the Midwest? Well, the funny thing is that Ryan is based out of Dallas, Texas. He's not based in L.A. He's not based in New York. So I thought, well, how incredibly convenient. So we reached out to Ryan, and he was gracious enough to come on the show. And he turned out to be, like, the coolest, most down-to-earth human person I've ever met in my life. So let's get right to it. This is our conversation with Mr. Ryan Connolly from Film Riot. Okie show. Man, we just want to talk to you about just kind of, like, your 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 path from like your humble beginnings of <laughs> trying to figure out data management to to the juggernaut <laughs> that you're at now yeah 1.4 million subscribers like that's crazy yeah it's all it's like a 1 million of them are just me they're just accounts that i've made <laughs> under like different accounts? names yeah <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i just really like our show <laughs> i feel like that's uh, like Whenever, whenever we first started this show, I feel like that was me. Whenever, like, I was like, "Is there anybody listening? <laughs> Does like, anyone care?" Yeah, it just feels like you're screaming into a vacuum. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's it still feels that way. It's it's just such a weird thing because there's no like physical audience, so it's like yeah, you know, I'm used to it now. But definitely back in the day, it was just like this magical thing. This number of views just didn't never seemed real. It's not like you're in an auditorium. It's not like there's a, there's no news or anything about it, so it doesn't. It's it's all just internalized to yeah. your pipeline only. You know, it's marketed through your social media. It's put up through your YouTube channel, so there's no exterior element to what you're doing. So it just feels so like, is this real? <laughs> <laughs> all you see is that number and the, the yeah. laundry list of comments. So exactly. Do you, do, you, yeah. do you guys do all your own marketing or, or or did it start out with you just doing your own marketing at first for your YouTube channel, just on your own social medias and then move up to like something bigger? 
it did not start that way. I mean, of course, we would post it out through our own social media and things right. like that as well. But I mean, in the beginning, I had like zero Twitter followers and all that stuff. Obviously, that was that just grew over time. <clears throat> Um, but in the beginning, because we were with a company called Rev3, uh, they were really awesome in the beginning. And uh, they they would, like, fly us out places to go to different events. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And and they would help market it that way. With There was a show called um, Dignation, which was really huge at the time. And another one called TRS that was really huge at the time. And they would bring us all to events together and me just being there and their audience would get to know who I was because of that. Or, uh, you know, they would market our, like a trailer for our show on one of the other shows. Uh, they would do some paid advertisements on, you know, websites and things like that. So they would actually be a marketing element. And over time that sort of stopped. And it just, as the landscape of things changed, I it just probably just stopped making a lot of sense for them to do it that way mm. and it just became more of uh they were more of an ad sales team for us so they would handle you know the the clients and they would be the middleman so we never had to deal with that uh sort of thing which was great um and then it just because i was very from from the get-go i was very big on i own everything or i don't do it that's like been a motto of mine right uh, to a certain degree obviously i've done plenty of client work and i don't own any of it but if i'm passionate about it i don't want to sell my passions off to somebody else for better or worse i mean that's going to slow you down in some respects because you end up doing it all on your own but um <laughs> I, I would rather do it that way because no one has you know there there were like sponsors at times that they wanted to put on the show and i just felt was slightly you know i didn't feel right about it yeah. uh, because i knew especially back then we had a very young audience back then and it was you know stuff like beer and i don't want to sell beer to a 12 year old right really what feel right <laughs> yeah and of course we've always had like older uh, older, older audience as well, but in the early days, like it was heavy twelve to seventeen. Now that's not the case. It's yeah. it's very very split, and probably leans more to above eighteen nowadays. Yeah. Um, but you know stuff like and because I owned everything, I could just say no. Uh, so the, for a lot of those reasons, it was really great that that happened. But um, yeah, over time, it just they just shifted into uh, ad sales team, and you know because we own everything, then just marketing everything just lands on us. Um, but you know the, wow. that <laughs> marketing is such a weird thing. Like you could pump oh, dude. thousands of dollars into it and not see as good of a return as a really great. Uh, just one-off video that yeah. just happens to like take hold, but yeah. then it's like, which ones are going to take hold? Uh, <laughs> put a cat. I don't in understand the secret sure, sauce that. that is marketing that cats. gets like all cats the numbers. used like, to be. I don't know if cats are still the secret sauce, but yeah, <laughs> what, is, what are like, people doing? I don't know. It's like how I don't. How are the, this many cat people? <laughs> So what led you to, to to deciding to pursue creating Film Riot in the first place? Like, take us back to the very beginnings, because you graduated from Full Sail, right? I did, yeah, yeah. Um, I went to Full Sail. I went late, too. I was like 20, I think I was 21-ish when I went to Full Sail, back in 2004. Which you, were, you were like a senior citizen of film students. Uh, full, you know, is that type of school? It's pretty all over the place. The age group. So there were some people in in my age range. There were some that were older than me, and then certainly some that were like you know eighteen, nineteen. Um, but uh, I wanted a school that was just going to show me where the buttons were, not teach me. Uh, which is the same spiel I always give. <laughs> you know, it's just I didn't I didn't want someone to teach me like um, why I should you know 
pick that setting. I wanted them to teach me how to pick that setting. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. I didn't want you to teach me how to write a character. I just wanted you to teach me technically how to write a script, you know, oh, where, okay. where the margins are and things like that. I wanted to learn story on my own. Like, that was a conscious decision of I wanted to be me and no one else, and I didn't want that influence. And again, for better or worse, that's just the decision I made, which is what I'm always saying to people when they ask me, what film school should I go to? It's like, you know, that's a very personal decision. You have to examine yourself, examine what type of filmmaker you want to be, and then you know, pick the best, the one that's right for you, which is why I picked film school. I wanted to be in and out very quickly, and I wanted to go learn through experience, Yeah, um, which is what I did. I got out of film school with enough knowledge to go learn, you know what I mean? Right. Because <laughs> at the time, you know, there, 2004, there was no... Um, YouTube shows. I don't even think there was a YouTube yet, was there? YouTube's yeah, like 2006 was, or 7? That's the crazy thing of like the, the technology and like the platforms and stuff that we have. I keep having to remind myself that it's not that old at all. Like, Right, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I remember when I was in film school, to watch a trailer online was like this itty bitty, like little quick yeah. time movie. It was and something that took hours it, of planning. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, it was, was like, like a 30 second long trailer. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so, you know, that wasn't that wasn't in existence when I went to film school. So it was like finding, I thought an AB switcher was potentially something I needed to just edit my regular videos. I like yeah. the, the info was so hard to come by. Um, so, you know, that's why I went to a technical school is just so I could know what all the things were, what all the terminology was. So I, I knew what to buy. I knew what, you know, to go after to learn. Um, and I just always wanted, I don't remember a time in my life I didn't want to be a filmmaker. Uh, and then, you know, after film school, I just, I was doing like two to three jobs at a time at any given time. Um, to save money to get gear. And then once I got gear, I was just, you know, not making money off of anything I did. <laughs> it was just like, I had friends that were in a band. I was like, cool, I'll shoot all your shows. And when you record, I'll come shoot that and we'll do a music video. And I didn't get paid for any of it. I did a few local commercials for free. I did a few local commercials for a couple hundred bucks. You know, um, nice. this, uh, this actress out in Orlando, uh, actually Full Sail connected me with her, wanted um, the, she wanted to create a acting reel for herself, but she wanted it to look like she did a few short films so we would we would shoot some scenes yeah to make oh, it look cool. like they were from full short films and i was like sure but let's just make full short films yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's just so, make three short films <laughs> yeah. and pull the best scenes from those exactly yeah so we made three short films and they were freaking terrible but she paid for it <laughs> and because of that i was able to get like a lighting kit and i didn't make any money from it every dollar i got yeah. i put into the short films and to the to some gear yeah, gear um and, uh, 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 you know, that's what I did for a very long time, building gear, building a real building experience. And then uh, I ended up the reel I was able to create, got me a job, did that for a little while. And then it was just like, you know, I'm doing a job that's within the industry. And it was really cool because it was for Alienware, which is now owned by Dell, They're Dell's gaming division. Oh, and cool. so I was I, I was running their whole video studio by myself because they were looking for a jack of all trades person because they didn't want to like pay a few people they wanted right. to pay one yeah. person yeah. to do everything one guy they just want to do it yeah. we don't want to pay this guy exactly what he's worth <laughs> yeah we want to we want to pay him one third of what he's doing <laughs> yeah. um, 
So I luckily I could do everything for pre post production, including music. So that got me the job, even though there was a guy visually a thousand times better than me. But because I could do all this stuff, I got the job. And so that I was the only one working in the video studio, and they built this like whole warehouse office just for me. So I was the only one there. So I was Sick. always working on stuff for them, but I was always experimenting. So either I was shooting the talking heads that they asked me to do, or uh, the majority of the time was me just trying to invent things of like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Hey, what do you guys? And there was a few spots we did just because I was like, hey, look what I made. And they're like, cool, yeah, we'll post that. Um, there was one that I just took, a, I took, I, I can't, I couldn't do 3D at the time. Uh, this is well, way before, uh, you know, Andrew's plugin. Uh, but uh, I just took a bunch of pictures of this laptop and then cut them all up and then placed them in Z space in After Effects and then created this. And it looked like a 3D model. It worked. That's and awesome. they were like, oh, oh, snap. And I was like, look what I made. Uh, so it was really cool for that because I art. got to just. Yeah. yeah, art. Look at my art. <laughs> look at art. <laughs> look at artses. Mom, look. Want to put it on the fridge? And they did. And it's great. Um, but it was like great because I got, I got to just try things and. It was for work, but I was, you know, learning quite a bit. And then it just got to the point where I was like, I desperately wanted to be fired, but they were firing everybody but me <laughs> because everybody was getting these like severance packages and then walking away with like three months pay. And I was like, dude, that's right. all I need. But I had started, I had started Film Riot by then, which is why I wanted to get fired uh, so I could go full time into full time. That. Just kill but, me. Just kill me, please. <laughs> and they wouldn't. Um, so, I, you know, going back a little bit because I, I didn't answer your question. Um, I was at Alienware and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I had a short film I wanted to make tell, which I had written already. And, I you know, it was that. like how... Yeah, it was like how how my my instructor in school said something very vulgar, so I won't say what he said, but the meaning of it, you know, made a lot of sense to me. It was like, you know, why are you going to make something no one's going to see? That's, you know, you're wasting you're wasting your you're only pleasing yourself. And right. you can kind of yeah, probably yeah. find the what yeah. he actually said. Yes. <laughs> uh, feeling those breaks. So, yeah, uh-huh. And <laughs> And it's like, you know, there there's there's definitely, you know, aspects of that that aren't true. Like when you're first starting out, yeah, just make stuff and but yeah. after a while, once you've gotten experience and you're making stuff, you know, with with at least some knowledge, you need an audience for that feedback, yeah. be it film school, um, so you can film festivals or whatever. And I just never felt like I was the film festival filmmaker that yeah. right. uh so it's just like, man, how do I I've always just wanted to make stuff for people to enjoy, not to judge, but to just enjoy it. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so it's not just for trying all to the gathering awards and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. It's just no. I never really cared. I mean, of course that's cool. Like if I, right. you know, you win some, you know, I feel I'm like sure you that see that nice. a lot, where it's like, look at the laundry list of awards that I've won from festivals you've never heard of. Y yeah, and and from a film you've never seen because I can't put it online because I'm trying yeah. to put it in festivals. And it's like, I, it's, which is totally fine. I'm like, I'm not harping on that. Like a lot of people do that, and you know, I would potentially do that if it was like a feature and trying to sell it. Sure, right. But for me, that's just not. It didn't make sense for me and how I wanted to make things, and so that was a factor of it. And then uh, a friend of mine was really discouraged. He wanted to be a filmmaker, but he, you know, he was in the same place I was pre-film school, where he's like, he he just didn't know what to do, what to get, what anything was and he didn't have money to go to film school and he was just really discouraged about it all and full sale was expensive like i had to take off 
off on a loan that I paid oh off for like 15 years. Oh, <laughs> so, I took a tour before I decided to go to like the community college version of film school. <laughs> I took a tour of Never film mind. School. It was like, ah, ah, <laughs> like so yeah. much stuff. And I saw the number. And and like, you're like, ah. I'm good. I am yeah. good. Yeah. And, go, and when I, after. After I left, they added some stuff and jacked up tuition by like twenty thousand dollars oh or something God. like that. Yeah, no, it was crazy. That's yeah, when it was crazy. I, I would be like, "Hey, uh, I'm gonna go to a university called YouTube, uh, <laughs> yeah. YouTube University." <laughs> Thank you for your time, sir. I'm gonna go buy a car instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like three or like, cars. Actually. Or fund a movie. <laughs> Yeah, or fund, <laughs> or fund a film. Yeah, exactly. You know, I could pay your tuition, or I could just make the movie. That I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go make a movie, sir. Good day. Yeah. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. But again, at the time, the only thing that was around was Indie Mogul, which has made its re resurgence. I uh, know. My, my friend, uh, a good friend of mine, Ted, Ted Sim, is the one uh, uh, running that. And man, he's he's already doing some awesome stuff. I love that guy. And uh, I'm super stoked that he's bringing that back. We're but anyway, so excited, Indie Mogul's back. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. But at the at the time, they were out, but they were really just like props and like DIY yeah. builds and stuff like that. They weren't really what I was wanting to do, or or what was missing rather. And and um, my friend just being discouraged gave me that idea of like, you know, I was lucky enough to go to film school, and I've been out of film school for like, um, man, I don't even know how long at the time. It was like three, four years, about four years, like get, gaining experience. And I, I still, I knew how green I was and how much I still had to learn. And then it just gave me the idea of how cool would it have been if pre-film school there was something where it was somebody who knew enough to like be doing it, but also was being honest and open and allowing you into his like path of discovery of really starting like like someone who knew enough to really start learning and was letting you come along for that learning and and yeah. uh that's where the idea of film right came from and that's why in um the earlier days uh the opening uh bumper of the show was want to be a filmmaker so do i let's figure it out is because that was the whole idea not like hello i'm your film instructor ryan Conley. Right. was like hi i'm some idiot who wants to be a filmmaker want to see me <laughs> try and fall on my face i think that was part of the attraction of the show like in its beginnings like because that was the version that i I first saw and I remember so, yeah. thinking like cool like this guy's he's learning right along with me and uh, totally there was something there was something to that like that's awesome what do you think yeah. was the reason for Film Riot's success the way it's you know lasted for so long and become so pretty well known at this point I think we, you know, a lot of luck. Uh, I'm sure, you know, passion for sure is. I don't fully believe in luck as a thing, but at the same time, I do. So there's aspects of luck for sure, like timing. And then there's aspects of passion. Like, how do you come up with a really, really great idea? You're so passionate that you're consumed by your ideas 24 7. So eventually, you know, you come up with one that's obviously good and that will right. obviously work. But because you come up with like 50,000 other ideas that were pure garbage, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like that's, you know, that's how that's how I find that these things work. I've always been so consumed by what I'm passionate about that, 
you know, never a day goes by where there's a gap of an hour that I'm not thinking of some new idea that I then go, yeah. oh, that's that's awful. Or I write it down to later look at it and go, oh, God, delete. No one right, yeah. <laughs> or even you like, get, what is this? Yeah, yeah, or you get that moment of inspiration and you open the recorder on your phone and like you're like, this is brilliant. Yeah. And you pitch it to yourself just to listen back and cringe and be like, oh, oh delete, no. delete, delete, delete now, delete. Yeah. <laughs> so, the light you know, of day. Yeah, and and to this day, that's true for me. For every like twenty ideas I have, there's maybe one good one or a kernel yeah. of something there that, you know. And I, I think that's how Film Riot came about. It was just a very long time of being thinking like, what could I do? What could I do? Well, what if I did this? Well, what if I did that? Well, what? And then my friend said this thing, and I was like, that's really interesting. What if there was a thing? Well, I couldn't possibly make that thing. Well, what if I did this? What if I did that? And yeah. then months more until finally like, oh my God, what if it was a show that, you know, X. Um, but it's just that constant searching that landed it. And the luck came, I think, from the right time. I had the yeah. right idea at the right time. There yeah. was There really was a, a gap that we filled that that just wasn't out there at the time, which is a really oh, hard yeah. thing to do now. Uh, we we are also I'm also lucky in you know my age. <laughs> you know I was the right age to be able to come up with those ideas and execute the, on them. Like if I was trying to do something like that now, like finding a, a gap to fit in is very very difficult. It's more right. about your voice now than an idea that isn't otherwise already out there. Um, which is great. I mean, that's film in general, right? Like what story hasn't been told now? It's just yeah. the perspective that's yeah. different. Or how you can use um, it in your story. Well, and that's yeah, a, exactly. I, I love that you mentioned how like for every 50 ideas, there's like one solid idea. And I, I feel like a lot of young people are really, there's like this aversion to, <clears throat> they either uh, want to hold on to something until it's perfect. Perfect, I tell you, perfect. And then yeah. they never yeah. release it. What is your relationship with failure? Because that, that's been a kind of a recurring theme on our podcast of like, failure's kind of a big freaking deal. It's, uh, it's my mistress. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we see each other often. It. Uh, it, it's, you, you have to accept it and you have to, I mean, with this, especially with this freaking industry, at least from my experience and the experience of everybody that I know, it's just constant punches to your gut and face yeah. and everywhere else that hurts and is tender. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, and it didn't take me long to start appreciating failure and realizing how necessary it was uh, because I saw that after my biggest failures, things that, you know, would make me like, oh God, that was really bad. And I'm just cringing, showing it to someone because I'm realizing for the first time how bad it was. <laughs> um, that's what I learned the most from. I mean, one of our biggest public failures is something called Outsiders, which was a short film that I was putting together. It was going to be something like a $300,000 short film. Uh, wow. A guy that worked on Transformers was uh, was uh, doing some set design, uh, set wow. work for us, building the sets at the time. We had uh, the makeup artist that worked on Resident Evil films was doing it. It was a zombie piece. Uh, just the talent we pulled together for it was amazing. An awesome cast. Uh, it was going to be my first time working with Ryan Booth as a cinematographer. Uh, great uh, stunt guy. There was going to be explosions. Um, it was going to be nuts. It was like a 25, 30-minute piece. Uh, I really loved the script. Wow. It was all coming together, but inexperience led to f like half of the financing falling through literally three days before it was supposed oh. to be our first day of production. Oh, God. Uh, 
<clears throat> and that was a very public fail because we announced it. We were super excited about it. We had been following its progress. Right. And then I had to go online and be like, so guys, <laughs> here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Not the, happening. The Connolly Which, address. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good evening. Um, but I mean, I, and I don't at all regret that short film not happening or us failing that publicly because one, it led to proximity, which is still one of my favorite yeah. works I've oh, ever done. Oh, me too. Me and, too. Uh, thanks, man. Um, and and two, it allowed us to put our money where our mouth was to practice what we were preaching. And it literally went from a $300,000 short film to a $300 short film. And what ended up wow. happening was, and to, to much credit to uh, my composer, Daniel James, because he was flying over here from England at the time, to come be a part of it. And uh, uh, somebody actually, uh, Justin Robinson, who just, I just produced his new short film, um, who's a fantastic director in his own right. He was flying over to help out with like BTS and stuff. And um, I found out while he was in the air that the, that the film fell through. So the first, it was the first time we met in person too. So I pick him up from the airport and I just turned to him and I'm like, Hey man, what's the worst thing I could tell you right now? And he's just, the look in his face was like, did someone die? (laughs) No, the the film fell through and he's like, what? (laughs) But he was there now and and he acts and he's done some stunts. And so I was telling my composer like, Hey man, here's what's going on. He's, He's like, yo, he's like, Hey, screw that. Let's just make a movie anyway. He's like, I'm coming, dude. I'm getting on the airplane tomorrow. Have a script well done when I get there. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Let's do it. That's so awesome. I, just, I love that. I Avengered assembled some friends. So I got like uh, Andrew Kramer, Dan Trachtenberg, and Seth Worley on Skype. And we were all just like, what could I do? Because I had like three days to write something. And we sort of – we just – kicked a bunch of ideas around, most of which were way too big for me to ever accomplish in the time frame and money I had. <laughs> and, but, but then we ended up coming up with this idea of people shackled to each other um, wirelessly somehow, and that would be a dangerous thing. And I was like, okay, we have a kernel of an idea. Thanks, guys. Bye. And then Seth and I uh, wrote it together. And I think we wrote it, I don't remember the time frame. I think we wrote it in like I think it was written and completely shot in 10 days, if I remember right. Oh, wow. Um, and and it was, you know, it was just that idea of, like, I've always preached, if there's a wall, get a bigger sledgehammer. And I was like, you know what, let's just do that. Let's <laughs> yeah. show that. Um, so, you know, I learned a ton. I learned how to put together a short film of that scale, which ended up being really helpful when we did Ballistic, which wasn't of that scale, but, you know, it was definitely our biggest short film to date. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't outsider scale. It wasn't even close. Uh, that outsider scale was... I, we were going to have like a hundred zombie day. hundred people in zombie makeup. Wow. Yeah, which, you know, it was definitely biting off probably more than I could chew too. So, you know, maybe that was a good thing. The reason <laughs> right. that it didn't go through as well. Um but I learned how to put together something of, of that size. I learned how to deal with unions. I learned how to deal with SAG, with all that stuff. So there was so much uh, tape that I got through that was really useful. Um, and then, you know, learning that, you know, this huge thing that I was so excited that fell through that could have potentially led to X because there were people who knew of it behind the scenes that were waiting for it that could have turned into something very large, like losing all that stuff was totally fine because of what I learned from it and the, what I learned from its failure. And then what I learned from taking its failure and turning it into something like ballistic or um, proximity rather. And, um, 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never undo that. And I mean, in every short film, there's things that I wanted to accomplish that completely failed and I had to figure out a different way to do it. Um, and I learned from that failure, okay, next time I want to do that, I know that doing it this way isn't going to work. Right. And then I try it again and maybe it didn't work the next time. And okay, that didn't work either. And then I tried the third time. And I'm like, ah, there it goes. That worked. Um, I mean, you don't usually see those failures because, you know, I find a different way to do it and then put that out. But even those failures are, you know, it's a huge part of their experiments. You're constantly doing, well, what if I mix this chemical and this chemical? Right. <laughs> some, some some of them of blow this. up in your face. Some of them become Pepsi. You know, it just depends. Yeah. I so, tell you what, man, with, with, I, I do have to say like with, with all the, like the time and effort that you put into your short films and film riot, like constantly coming up with ideas and talking about how you're always just never ending, constantly making, make, making new ideas and coming up with new plans and failures as well as successes. How do you deal with like burning out? Like, do you ever get sick of, of constantly creating content? No. Um, I thought I was burning. That's a, uh, I'll start by saying I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. Uh, that's like a process that and like just balancing life with work are two right. things that I'm still yeah. trying to fully figure out. But I thought I was getting burnt out a little while ago. Um, I think it was 2017, I want to say. Um, and I was just I was just working. I mean, early on, I was working seven days a week. My average was about 18 hours a day. Uh, it would go over that. But yeah, and that went on for probably six years-ish. And then my wife got pregnant and she was like, I'm going to kill you. And I was like, fair <laughs> enough. I'll rope it back. So then 18 hours became like 15 hours a day, but it was still seven days a week. And then my daughter was born and my wife was like, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, okay, yeah. fair enough. So then I roped it back to six days a week. And then as of January this year, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. And I, I roped back to five days a week at the office, at least. Um, yeah. You know, you work at night when I still, they go to bed, I go back to work. So they're sleeping and I'm on a laptop either in my office at home or in bed on the laptop working on, you know, developing something or whatever it is. Um, but I try to on the weekends, if they're awake, that I'm spending time with them. And it's just, you know, I've discovered that the world doesn't fall apart, you know? Right. And if it takes another year to get to the goal, that's, you know, worth it if I'm spending time with my family. So I'm finding that in the life balance, which was not the question you asked, but to the question you asked. In <laughs> um, uh, around 2017, I felt like I was getting really burnt out because I was doing the six days a week, 15 uh, plus hours a day. Um, and I was just like, getting miserable and I, I thought I was getting burnt out from work so I took this two week vacation where I was just like I'm out and I went to a beach in California and just me my wife and and uh, my daughter at the time son wasn't born yet just hung out for two weeks doing mostly nothing but relaxing <laughs> yeah and then we came back and I and it was a great vacation I was very relaxed on the vacation enjoyed it came back and I didn't feel that much different yeah. And then yeah. what I discovered was I hadn't done a project in a while. Uh, and the second I started developing, I think it was uh, Sentinel, all of a sudden I Ooh. felt a thousand times better like I went on a vacation. And it, so what I discovered was all of my time was just on like Film Riot and our store and the business as a whole and not on developing the stories I want to tell. Uh, or developing a project like that, a narrative project. And that was kind of my burnout 
like mm. not having that there to like fulfill me. And although I haven't done a project since Ballistic, I've been developing stuff uh, nonstop. And that's like kept me completely happy because I'm developing these stories. I'm like, so there's that. And then of course there's still burnout. You need to have time with your family yeah. and stuff. And that's one of the, one of the other reasons for the two days a week is, um, I again started to just not feel like me so much and feel a little creatively dead. And then we took two weeks off for this Christmas, which I always give my company, um, everybody in my company, two weeks off for Christmas. Nice. But I never take the two weeks off. I, I continue <laughs> yeah. to work and then I'll take like five days. Right. But this time I was like, no, I'm going to take the full two weeks. And I took the full two weeks and at the end of it, I just fully felt like me again. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, man, that's probably a thing. And ever since I've been taking the the two days off a week, it has felt like a little bit of much needed refueling. So there is a little bit of that balance too. Like, you know, giving enough time for my personal life has definitely kept me a little more fueled up for everything else. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess what I've found is I need to always be developing something, always be working on a project that might not even happen, but you know, I'm I'm flexing those creative muscles. I'm I'm you know, it's I'm 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 consuming those things. I'm keeping my creative stomach full, if, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> and then I like finding that. at least trying to find that life balance and, and giving more time to life um you know with the family and stuff is what keeps me from willing burning out on the other end. So it's like those two things have mostly kept me balanced, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. No, oh, no, that was that was perfect. That yeah. was perfect. I'm still I'm still kind of confused by it and trying to figure it out. But that's <laughs> trying to that's what where I'm at right now. That's at least yeah. what I think I figured out so far. Well, and it, it's it's cool cuz like watching Film Riot over the years like we've slowly seen you develop as a filmmaker, you know, from the days of uh of filming with Josh dodging a car to now you're doing right ballistic which sidebar I have to know what is with the tiny eyes with ballistic and proximity you always have the eye I will never tell you <laughs> uh, it was a way to it it represents the person in the story so it's like this singular entity surrounded by these giant obstacles so that was the idea um and then it was a quiet way to connect them and so oh, cool. people started people started calling it the iverse and i was like yeah. that's great the iverse, <laughs> the iverse. i was like oh my god that's so great so in ballistic i was hoping because sentinel happened and people are like what's with the eyes like why is he doing that and then we and then all i did was release the title for ballistic and they're like holy shit, they're connected <laughs> And I was like, yeah, it's the Carly universe. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't. I just, I, uh, I mean, this might be the first time I'm ever saying publicly that they are connected. Um, it's an exclusive. I just thought it was fun. Exclusive, <laughs> which is like, who cares? But it's just fun. You it's, know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, like, it's just cool. It's like this isn't a Hollywood film. It's not like, yeah, you know, who cares? But I just think that stuff is fun. I, I do very much subscribe to um, the mystery box way of thinking, which yeah, yeah. The, when I saw that TED talk from J.J. Abrams, I was like, thank you. That articulates perfectly what I've been feeling. Um, and and I've, I've always loved to do that. I mean, even the early days of film, right? If you go look at that stuff existed in there where we would do little teases of like, this is coming next week. What does it all mean? Yeah. And it was just jokes and who cared? But um, I just love doing that stuff. I think it's so much more for the people who are fans of it. 
it's so much more engaging. It's so much more fun and so much more rewarding when you're like, oh my God, that's connected to that. And that's why this. And, yeah. and I had connected Sentinel and Ballistic a little more even where aspects of each happened in the short films. Um, so oh, cool. like she originally she was going to actually see in the distance um, the drone getting shot down. Um, but I decided to take it out and let it live in its own thing because I also <laughs> figured out some other stuff about the timelines and, and um, the story as a whole. So it, it stopped yeah. making sense. So I was like, I'm not going to do it just to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, fun. it's just to, it's just to connect them to clearly say that, Hey, these are, are all connected. And originally with proximity, um, it was just that idea that it's just this, uh, you know, this this one against these giant obstacles. Right. That's so cool. So big burning question that I'm sure all of your followers want to know the answer to is when are we getting the first Ryan Connolly feature film? When is this happening, Ryan? I've decided to retire. <laughs> oh, ah! my God. <laughs> I want to be an accountant. <laughs> That's all I really wanted to do. Um, the burnout I, just began just now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, well, yeah. Just talking about it has made me tired. I don't want to do it anymore. Um, you were I mean, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. I will say that there, ever since Ballistic, there's been some stuff happening in the background that I can't talk about. Um, but not that's not to say, uh, oh, I'm not allowed to say it, but a feature's happening. That's not the case. Yeah. Um, there are possibilities, which is awesome, and uh, the the best, most intimidating possibilities that I've had in my career yet. Um, but that doesn't mean anything's going to happen. Right. Um, you don't want to jinx it. So that, knock on wood. Yeah. 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 Totally. It just yeah. means that you know, cross your fingers. Yeah. It, it, there's a chance for. I mean, either way, it's coming very soon. Either I'm doing it on my own, or something really cool will happen. I mean, if I'm doing it on my own, that's really cool too. So either yeah. way, yeah, something's I'm happening. <laughs> that's yeah, great, man. It's, it's just the scale in which the first one will be. Will it be yeah. very low budget or, you know, I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Uh, but either way, uh, I, I'm developing stuff now. When that will happen just depends on, you know, the next few months of stuff and, you know, what direction it takes. But I would say for sure in the next three years, uh, yeah. I'll have yes. my first featured out probably. Mm. Nice. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Knock yeah. on wood, as you well, said. <laughs> And like, and that's important for for the like, the young filmmakers to note that like you've been doing this for ten years, and like, well, that's that's only counting Film Riot. I mean, right? If, yeah, if you right. Count yeah, from film school, you know, now you're at fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, and I was doing it <clears throat> pre-film school. I was doing short film. I, I probably did like fifty plus short films before film school. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, I feel so I lazy was, talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they all were just the worst thing ever. Um, but you know, I you know, with little VHSC cameras or VHS cameras is right. what I started on, and yeah. um, uh, you know, cutting in camera, cutting VCR to VCR <laughs> to finally yeah. getting Adobe. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You and your youth, the good days. The, <laughs> the, 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 no, they were not. Exactly. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> um, that down to you know, finally getting my first Adobe Premiere and and figuring out how to do VFX by taking a still frame and then taking that into Photoshop shop and cutting things up and then bringing that back in a premiere and then making objects move and um you know so i it's been a very long time uh coming but uh i think patience is key i think how accessible things are has 
I don't, I, there's definitely an entitlement problem for sure. Um, I've even heard people say it like that they deserve to have someone's response. You know what I mean? I yeah. sent it to them and I haven't heard back. You Well, you're not entitled to them even seeing it or right. caring at all. Yeah. You know, uh, if somebody requests something from you, then yes, you are entitled to a response. They requested it. But usually that's not the case. And, um, you know, even recently I sent some stuff uh, to people that was even requested. And two months later, never heard back. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Moving on to the next one. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I think that's a problem. And, you know, I, I was kind of whiny with, a with a friend of mine who will remain nameless, but he's out there doing some much larger things. Um, and, and I was just like, yeah, man, it's just like, you know, beating your head on the wall until somebody opens, but it seems like no one's opening. And it's like, you know, what do you do next? And, and, and he basically in a very nice way, was like, dude, shut up. That's the yeah. work. Put your head down and do the work. And uh, I was like, from that moment, I was like, you know what? You're right. Uh, yeah. Why am I whining? Like, how is that right. even helpful? Uh, put your head down and do the work. Keep going. If if this short film didn't get the attention, do the next one. Maybe the next one will. And if that one doesn't, do the next one. Maybe the next one will. How bad do you want this? Yeah. And especially when you're first starting out, when you're first starting out, you shouldn't even be thinking that way. The odds of anyone giving a damn with your first works <laughs> yeah. is next to zero. It's right. point zero 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 one percent Well, that's the funny thing. It seems like I've seen that happen a lot where like film students will graduate. And then they'll yeah. they'll make their first feature film like a year after film school or something like that. And yeah. then it's not mind blowing like they had in their head. And then it doesn't go anywhere. And they're like, well, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, I think um, making a feature early is sometimes a trap. I mean, it depends on the person. I think, you know, do, that's one of the reasons why I haven't even attempted to do a short film. I mean, we made ballistic for amount of money that some people have made super low budget. Um, features with and I've you know so we could have done it a feature that way but I've never I haven't but after ballistic I was fully like all right I want to go at this feature thing a thousand miles an hour now I'm ready yeah. because pre-ballistic I was like I could do it but not on my own yet after ballistic I was like cool those were the last few things I needed to learn now I can make a feature by myself if I have to Let's go, yeah. you know, and that it's always been very important to me to be very objective and know where I'm at, know where I'm at skill wise, know where I'm at experience wise. So I can look someone in the eye and say, hey, I'm worth you betting on because one, they're either throwing a ton of money at you and you you have to deliver for them because they're trusting you with their finances, which is a big freaking deal. Or yeah. two, they're trusting you with their time and effort. Because with a short film, we shot for three, four days in um, uh, L.A. and we shot for three days in Texas. That's a very short amount of time. You're not asking a ton from people. You're still asking for their time, attention, and their name that you're slapping on this project that they get to be embarrassed or proud of. Uh, but with a feature, you're talking about, you know, uh, up in upwards of a month plus on a low budget shoot, you know, unless you're, you know, Blumhouse and then you're like 20 days, but still <laughs> 20 yeah. days. Uh, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of time that that people are, are you know, dedicating their life to. Um, and it's a lot of hours and it consumes your life during it. And I've always wanted to make, you know, 100 percent sure that I can confidently say that, yeah, we have a good go at this. We're going to have a good go at this. We're going to have, we have a good chance of this being something you're going to be proud of. I mean, you never know, which is why I say yeah. a good chance. You never know. Um, I, I think, you know, mildly arrogant to be like, oh, 
this is going to be great, my man. Right. <laughs> I mean, you feel that way. You know, that's how you talk about it. Like, this is going to yeah. be awesome. We're going to make something gonna awesome together. Um, and then also, I've also felt a responsibility to our audience. Like, we've, we've been able yeah. to build this audience who uh, believe in us and are following along. And that's all. And I just, you know, I've always been very aware of that. And I just don't want to disappoint them. So there's that aspect of it, too. But, you know, mostly it's I haven't felt right till now to be able to look someone in the eye and tell them, yes, uh, you can bet on me. Uh, <laughs> and now I feel that way for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, again, you never know. <laughs> right. But that's why I say bet. You know, feeling I'm, confident. I, yeah, it's like I know enough now to where you're not gonna lose your shirt here. Where the right. project's not gonna fall apart. I know how to keep it afloat now, at least. Yeah. Um, that's and that, awesome. you know, that's why it hasn't happened until now. And then uh, to go backwards to what you were saying with people just starting out, it's like you know, I get a lot of messages that are like, "How do I get more views? How do I get more subscribers?" And I, my response is always the same: Stop thinking in those terms. Yeah. Make the thing you're making, then make the next one, and then make the next one, and then make the next one. You'll you'll get them when you deserve them. <clears throat> you know, it's like ah. right out of the gate. You know, the person who's been banging their head on the wall for ten years. You know, you're you're not going to come right out of the gate day one doing better than them. It's just not normally. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've seen I want to be amazing me, immediately. <laughs> man, some people have sent me stuff that they're like, "Hey, here's my first short film," and I'm like, "This is your first short film, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, what? Damn you and your talents. Where do you live? <laughs> yeah, that's like better than my fiftieth short yeah. film. How can I sabotage um, this person? Yeah, so of course there's those people that and and you know you can always tell when there's just that inherent talent even when the yeah. the 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 project itself was not good you can see that like unpolished diamond in there. Um but yeah, it's it's all about just you know, stop whining, put your head down and do yeah. the work. That's the work as he says. That's yeah. great advice. That's very great advice for a young filmmaker. I wish it was, I wish it was mine. I'm just relaying <laughs> someone who's much smarter than me uh, and helped me a lot. So what are uh, what are some of your favorite moments of all the time that you've spent on Film Riot? Like, what what are some of your favorite memories working on the show? I, I definitely some of my favorite memories is when it's just super tiny and it's just you know me and Josh and barefoot in my house just goofing off. <laughs> um, that stuff is just there's a ton so of many fun. glorious one liners that you guys have come up with. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, we we try to keep that um, that vibe, and as it gets bigger and bigger, I, I I hope we can you know always keep that vibe. And I've I've always called it. I've said it a ton, but I always call it out um, ad lib writing. Like we don't yeah. do draft one, draft two, draft three of like any of the scenes or sketches we do. Often they don't even have scripts. We just have a general. Hey, this is how it'll start, and this is how how it will end, and we just go with it and just fill um, in the blanks. Yeah, a lot of times we'll have a script because it'll, you know, like the one we just put out uh, Thursday, I think. Um, it was just me and Josh in a room. There's nobody else there. <laughs> so it's still like old school film writing. And it's just two shots, one on him, one on me. I'm directing him. When it's his turn, he's directing me. When it's my turn, and we have a boom mic on a C-stand. Um, oh, that's awesome. So it, yeah, so it's still that way, um, which is funny because we were – while we were doing, while we were doing uh, ballistic with the hundred plus something crew, it's like we come back to to Texas and get back to film right, and then it's just <laughs> me and Josh with a boom stand on a yeah. <laughs> with a boom mic on a C stand, and it's like, huh, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> 
But um, I, you know, I, it, it's fun doing it that way because I mean, there's less cooks in the kitchen, and yeah, it's just fast and. But yeah, I just do that ad lib writing, and, and we'll probably always do the ad lib writing where you just write one version and you go with that. You don't change anything, and then if anything, you change it while you're shooting. You find oh, this would be funnier. Do this instead. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's it's that stuff. I can't think of like a specific. I mean, there's obviously stuff like we did one where <laughs> where uh, it was this Halloween episode and. Bruno's supposed to trip and fall into a lawnmower that's turned over and like the blades like tear his head up and we show it like a bunch of freaking psychopaths. We are. It was just disgusting. I saw it the other other uh like the other week and it was still nasty. I was like, Jesus, that like, is oh. dark. It's super gory. And then it cuts to Josh, and Josh just gets covered in blood. And it was literally this massive like bucket you would use to wash your car, completely filled with all this blood that I got to just chuck onto Josh. And stuff like that is always my oh, favorite man. because it's like in a way I'm paying him to let me torture him. I was gonna say, um, like, there's I feel like there's been several Let's torture Josh moments. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And then there was one where like Bruno and Josh are washing my car in like cut off shorts and like the, <laughs> their shirts tied up to make them belly shirts. And I'm just sitting there hosing them down with the hose while they wash the car. <laughs> and they're like, can we stop? And I'm like, keep washing or whatever keep it was. But I, just, I but haven't I said remember. cut yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But I just remember we finished shooting. It was just a cutaway. And we finished shooting the cutaway. And we're like, okay, cool. And I'm like getting the camera. And I look over and across the street, my neighbors are just watching like, what in the hell are they doing? <laughs> I'm sure they thought it was like, oh, they're making some kind of porn for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so stuff like that. Like the the amount of stuff we did outside of my, <clears throat> outside of my houses. Because for the first, geez, uh, six or seven years, we were in houses and we just didn't care and we were just you know there's a guy in full clown get up and makeup but also blood covered in blood and he's running around my house <laughs> and so it's like stuff like that and just seeing the neighbor's reaction we got the yeah. cops called on us a few times because of stuff like that yes there was an episode really really early on i think it was like episode seven actually um i don't know why i remember that but it's like episode seven it's that early on and emily is shooting trying to shoot an apple off of josh's head <clears throat> and we created like these squibs on Josh using like uh, condoms and um, uh, little firecrackers. And uh, it's probably not the smartest idea. And you know, if we told people to do that, we probably should have told <laughs> people to do on. that. So I'll just put it out there now. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but two things happened on that shoot. One, I had to uh, go buy uh, condoms and firecrackers and blood. And so I I went to Walmart <laughs> and I I got the I got condoms and then I got these metal plates and then I got duct tape and I think some rope. And oh, and I'm and looking at all mask. the things that I'm gonna yeah, and I'm looking at all the things I'm gonna check out with. And I'm like, this is funny. Yeah. So I, so I just I just real quick grabbed the copy of Passion of the Christ, which had just come out, <laughs> and I went through the checkout line. The person oh, who checked me out looked at me like, "What the hell kind of weekend are you about to have?" Yeah, this is about <laughs> to get crazy. But then we go and we shoot it, and so we're shooting in the background, uh, in the backyard of my brother's house, 
uh, my older brother, and um, Josh is screaming things like, stop shooting me with bullets. Oh, my pancreas. Oh, it hurts. So much blood. Whatever. Just screaming these things. And then we finished shooting, and then um, we all left, and then my brother-in-law was just grabbing, like, the last, like, extension cord, and he's leaving the house. But then he, like, left the community or whatever, and he ended up getting pulled over and, like, held by the cops for, like, an hour and a half. Oh, my God. Yeah, and they they ended up going to my brother's house and confirming everything was fine, and we had to show them video footage. Uh, so that was definitely one of the the funnier ones. That's We're not awesome. making a snuff film. Yeah. I swear, everyone's fine. You're not a true filmmaker until you get the cops caught exactly. on you at least once. Yeah, there, there's been at least at its finest. Totally, there's been at least three or four times where I had to show a cop the footage just to prove everything was fine. Uh, I swear. <laughs> Officer, officer, we're good. It's fine. When I was like 17, <clears throat> my dad uh, owned a, an electrical company. He was an electrical contractor. And I had the bright idea of I wanted to film like a a scene where these bad guys chuck a, a gas grenade through a window and they come in, you know, guns blazing. And so he let us shoot at his office. And I don't think I told him what we were shooting because I think he'd probably be like, uh, no. <laughs> um, and so being 16 or 17 and dumb, we have a smoke machine inside my dad's office, which this is a, you know, a commercial park. Uh, this is a bunch of different offices. And it's like probably midnight at this point. <clears throat> oh, no. And, oh, no. And we have a smoke machine going on in the office. And then I had bought like these tactical gear at like the army navy store and gas masks and we had these like bb guns which look 100 real so it's like a shotgun and well one of them was real it was just broken the the trigger mechanism was broken on it so it wasn't uh -huh. you know it, it but it was a shotgun uh, it was like a 22 oh but it was gosh. still a shotgun and the other ones were like these assault rifles but they're bb guns and they're coming in and out, in and out, take after take, take after take. We finally, finally finished shooting, and I have a gun in my hand, like a handgun. And uh, I'm like, all right, I'm going to open the door to let some of the smoke out. And I thankfully <laughs> put the handgun down and open the door. And the first thing I see is this SWAT dude in oh my full, God. Like, full SWAT gear with uh, you know, a canine on, you know, holding the leash of a canine. And the dog is up on its like back legs, like wanting to eat my flesh. And it's about oh, seven feet from me with handgun pointed at my face. Second I open the door, he starts screaming at me, let me see your effing hands, effing. And I'm like, <laughs> So I like panic. And, and then I like look to the right and here comes five more cops and there's all these cop cars. It's like, how did we not hear any? Like, and it's, so, oh my god. And he's like, is there anyone else inside? I'm like, yeah, my friends are inside. He's like, tell him to get out here. And I turn, and he's like, don't you fucking move. And I'm like, oh Jesus, you said for me to get them. And so I got my hands up. They get everybody out. They line us up. And the second my hands touch the wall with them lining us up, I'm like, okay, we're fine. We're good. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we're all getting frisked. And of course, the first thing in my mind while being frisked is a little to the right. But I didn't say. <laughs> I didn't say it, thankfully. And I look, I look to my left, and all my friends are like, their faces are pale white. Oh, yeah. Um, it is a like, miracle no. that more like kids making movies aren't just massacred across the line. I'm telling you, man. And and he, that's why we always really push that on the show because the the guy said 
because uh, he was pissed, rightfully so, because he was holding a gun at some young kid that he could have shot. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's uh, like, if, if you would have, because I said, like, yeah, I had the gun and I put it down. And he's like, if you would have walked out with that gun, you would have gotten shot. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, jeez. And so so he was, like, again, rightfully pissed. And it was funny because they're looking through all the guns yeah. and they're like, all right, clearly these are all fake. Meanwhile, uh, he's holding the shotgun that's real. And, oh. and that was the day he found Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that was the day. They called my dad, and my dad thought it was hilarious, and they looked oh, at the, the yeah, right? footage. That's and, awesome. And, uh, yeah, what a cool he dad. He was like, yeah, I'm never going to do that again, huh, son? And I'm like, no, dad, I will I not. Like, most dads, it would be like the scene from The Lion King between Mufasa and Simba. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have been killed. <laughs> That's the, the reference. No, he was like, disobeyed me. He wanted them to put me in the the back of the car and say I was getting uh, I was getting arrested, but they were like, oh "No, God. we can't do that." But they came out of his office because they had us all outside. They come out of the office and he's laughing. He's like, "Yeah, so your dad wants me to arrest you, but I, I don't oh, have time." For that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that is man. awesome. Your dad yeah. is awesome. Oh, yeah, he's God. he's pretty great. Uh, he was super cool about it, Ooh. and he's like, "Yeah, you're not gonna do that again." I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> "So I was super cautious again, from there." I, but I mean, it could have been really. I mean, it's funny now, but that could have gone really poorly. So. Oh, like, yeah. That's why on film right now, I'm, I'm always like, if you're doing stuff with guns, make sure everyone around knows what's oh, going man. on. The cops know what's going on. It is not worth yours yes. or the people you're working with safety. Yeah. That was a oh, that was a, a very stupid 16, 17 year old kid. <laughs> man. Well, trying to make art. Thank God you put the gun down. You know, Dude, because, right? Because, you know, film riot could have been snuffed out right then and there. Oh. <laughs> we can do this like the it's a wonderful life version of Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I just wish I'd never like, been bored. I wish Josh, I never would have put the gun down. <laughs> Josh is addic- addicted to every substance known to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's just scarred from movies in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for lending us an hour of your time. It's been this has been so cool yeah. getting to talk to you. Um, you've been I I we we were talking before you came on. You know, we we get to work on feature sets a lot with with nice. prominent figures. Yeah, and that's like awesome. we don't fanboy, we don't fanboy. But for you, sir, we were fanboying. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me so, more about me. Yes. Wow. <laughs> you, you you got the fanboy out of us. Dennis Quaid didn't get the fanboy out of us, but no, nope. yes, sir, you did. Dennis, my boy, Dennis. <laughs> oh, DQ, he couldn't get the fanboy yeah, out of us. Yeah, he was cool though. He was cool. Is it not- ice cream or an actor? You don't know. Yeah, yeah. you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> well, Ryan, where can we uh, for for those that are listening that um, that maybe have not seen Film Riot? Where can they go to to watch the show? To see you on social media. Plug yourself. Uh, you can just go to filmriot.com. Everything's there. And then on YouTube, it's just, you know, youtube.com forward slash filmriot. But it's also on our website. We have it there. And then we have a whole about page or connect. I don't, I don't remember what the page is called. But it uh, shows everybody who's working on Film Riot right now. Uh, so you could follow all those folks as well. That's awesome. Sweet. Dude. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a real, real treat. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Thank you guys for tuning in to season three of Okie Show Show. We will be back next year. We'll be back in January of 2020, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be wonderful. If you like what you hear and you'd like to be a part of it, please go to patreon.com slash Okie Show Show and become a patron today. 
Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all sorts of new news and whatnot. And check out okishowshow.com for original sketches, for videos of these conversations, and much, much more. And we will see you guys very, very soon. Bye. Bye.